Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is Nelson Osei, quite possibly among the most active and engaged community leaders I had the privilege of working with. His dedication to youth empowerment through sport is exemplary, and his involvement in his community has led him not only to the very top of his organization, but also at a leadership position through which he administers the most important cultural and community center in Park Extension, the William Hingston Complex. On this episode, we discuss his journey and also dive into the current turmoil around racial profiling and systemic racism that exists in our country, as well as the importance of the Black Lives Matter movement and its impact in the advancement and betterment of our society. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Beside that, you know, new project. That's it. You know, we had to, I basically had to adjust to the new life we're going to be adjusting to for the next few years. So, fuck, it's tough, man. I think, I think, uh, I think 2020 caught everyone off guard a bit, you know? Exactly. It's, exactly. Uh, it's, it's crazy. How, um, how's the family? Family's good. Don't complain. You know what? The good thing with COVID is I had a chance to spend time with the family. Yeah, you know, you're out there at five in meetings everywhere. You gotta run everywhere. So with the COVID, we had time to spend with the kids. So it's a good thing. You know, because I, uh, I, I spoke to a lot of people and they're like, "Oh fuck, I can't." You know, I, I can't wait to get back to work. And this is crazy. I'm home all day, and they couldn't. I think you're the first person I speak to that actually saw the positive in this. You know, spending the more time with the family and taking advantage of time that you know you otherwise wouldn't have. Right, right. Well, I needed it. You know, the last few years have been tough for us. Yeah. Especially when I, if I'm talking about myself and uh, the organization that I represent. You know, when you left, you know what board meetings, you know what it is, you yeah. know that lifestyle. So when you're running everywhere all the time, so at the end of the day, you got to see the positive in it. You know, I always try to see the positive out of the bad, uh, but spending time with the kids where they were happy, obviously I couldn't do everything that I would love to do, but you adjust. Yeah. So. No, no, guaranteed, guaranteed. Right. And, I know, and I know it's hectic, man, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you do and uh also a little bit about what's going on because you're obviously a person that is well uh, involved with the black community. Um, but it's good to have you on honest. First of all, it's good to see you because it's been, it's been a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I've said this, I've said this in other uh, episodes as well, especially when I have people that have a similar, uh, you know, they, they have a similar work that you do. Uh, and I love the fact that you guys accept to come on because this is exactly why I created the podcast to bring forth the people that are kind of hidden in the background that nobody really knows, nobody really sees, but that are contributing greatly uh, to the communities and to society. And uh, yeah, man, I'm grateful that you uh, that you accepted the invitation. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, you know, you call, I'll be there. You know, like uh, obviously there's a relationship there. You know, we know each other for a while, and I know if you're doing this, you're doing it for a good cause. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's a good cause. I mean, it's good. I think it's it's always good to, um, uh, you know, to to 
to expose these individuals to the public. Uh, I think it's important, the work that you do. Um, and I got to see it firsthand. And I think that uh, there's a lot of value that we can bring to the community uh, if they know exactly what is happening uh, happening, and who's behind it, right? Um, but yeah, we go back, uh, we go back a while. I remember uh, meeting you almost from the first days that I started working in politics. I mean, you, uh, you're in charge of a pretty important organization in Park Extension, the Loisir du Parc. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, we do go back. Uh, <laughs> we do go back a while. Yeah. We're younger, though. I didn't have no beard. We're much yeah, younger. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> neither did I. But uh, the beard came just out of laziness. It's COVID. <laughs> that did it. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell me a little bit. Uh, let's talk about uh, Loisir du Parc in case, uh, you know, some people have been living under a rock and they don't know. <laughs> they don't know what yeah. this is. Uh yeah, let's uh, let's tell people what the, the Loisir du Parc is. Loisir du Parc is a non-profit organization based in Park X. Um, uh, I think the, the uh, Loisir du Parc started days in 1996 with uh, with the city of Montreal people and basically all the different organizations like PYO and Park X. They, they, they put together this organization just because we didn't have no gym, we didn't have nothing back in the days in the in Park X, the only gym we had access, youth had access to was Lucien Paget. That's when the school didn't need it. So uh, uh, when uh, the immigration, this building, the building we're located, 419 South Rock, which we call William Inkston Complex, which also the old William Inkston High School back in the day was empty, would be a 101 when, uh, you know, English school board got abolished. The city took took that building and uh, renovate the gyms and everything. and uh, uh, they built Loisel's back. This is where we're born. So I started slowly by being uh, working as a security there when I was younger. When I was in school, CJ University, I went there. I actually uh, worked there. Uh, slowly, surely, I grew up. And right now, I'm the, I'm the director. Uh, the main thing we do is uh, we have a, a, a contract, which we call a convention with the city, just to take care of the building. And in this building, we all know uh, we're fortunate enough to have a library, 15 uh, different non-profit organizations offering all different kinds of service to the population. We talk about food banking. Uh, you have the biggest non-profit organization in Park XPYO, who's also doing great work. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple other organizations that I, I don't have in mind now, but are very important to Park X. They're all located in that building. And there's a library. I said it. There's a pool and there's a daycare. So. And this French crisis for the new arrivals. So there's, you if you if you're an immigrant and you come to Park X, this is the building you want to be because that's, that's where all the service probably are, you're going to end up. And it's such it's such a it's it's a building full of life, right? There's so many things going on in that building. You know, obviously there's the the school the, the school board that still has I think the top floors where they teach uh, French, uh, right. and then you have everything else happening there. It's pretty much the epicenter of anything that has to do with community organizations in park extension of course there's more uh, all over you know the territory but primarily it's at the william hingston complex um and uh, when so when when you started this uh loisir du parc existed already or they took you on uh from the beginning uh no within we in 2001 is basically when the uh, when uh, the immigration left, that's when 
uh, we took over the building. Like the city took over the building just to bring every organization in one building because they were everywhere in Park X, organization yeah. on north, south, whatever. So they needed a place for them. So they brought in everybody uh, in 2001. It happened in 2001. So, uh, and that's when they put you in charge? That's what, yeah, that's what we, we, we were, that's what we won, what we call a bid. Like, you know, we were, since we're in the building since 1996, we're the only organization was there since 96. So it made a little sense just for to take over, just because we knew the building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was last minute. So when the deal made, when the deal happened, I remember, um, you know, like the city was looking for someone right away to take over and we were there. It made sense. So, uh, we grew, we learned from it. Um, you know, obviously, we're very happy that they chose us. You know, so uh, uh, yeah. So, 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 tell me a little bit. So, back in the day, what exactly did you guys do in terms of an organization? You just organized activities, or what exactly was the purpose? Our purpose was only sports, only sports leisure. Um, uh, we only had the gym section. If it, if if you know Hingston, there's one side where there's only the gyms. So that's where we're located. Uh, we only had we had hockey, basketball, you name it. Any any sports, after school sports, kids usually play. We had that. So uh, that's exactly what we did till two thousand one. Uh, after two thousand one, we grew. Uh, we 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 have uh, access to we had access to auditorium. We had access to different rooms on the other side where, um, first of all, the people, uh, the citizen, could use to rent to you know to gather to have their uh, little meetings and stuff like that. So we kind of grow as a musician. Like we have, uh, we have a good, bigger purpose now. We're in charge of the entire security of the building. We're in charge of the entire maintenance of the building. So uh, that wasn't the case in 1996. That mm-hmm. happened in 2001. How did it start for you, like uh, to get involved socially? I mean, obviously you're you're, a, you're an integral part. I think of you know the community in Park Extension. Um, how for you did it start? Where, where did it click for you to think that, you know, I want to get involved in my community? Yeah, it's funny you're asking this question because there's two uh, people that I know you know well. One of them that just passed away, Nick uh, Scamunzos. Yeah. Nick. Uh, Nick, those guys took me under the arms when I was younger. Like, I started playing baseball at PYO when I was 9, 10. So um, I know for a fact, being a, a young teenager, I wasn't easy. Those guys always took me on their arms and made sure I was doing the right thing. Got my first job uh, in a camp uh, as a camp animator. So I got that with PYO. So, I'm not, and, you know, growing and growing, I never thought I would actually end up being a director of a nonprofit organization. But I always had in mind that to give back. So I started coaching. I did a lot of stuff, which was giving back, coaching, volunteering, especially in basketball. I was doing different things, getting involved in the uh, board of directors and different organizations in Parquet. And uh, when the time came, uh, I was on the board. When I left, I was on the board of Park for a while. And when the time came, the organization had little problems and little issues. Then, you know what, opportunities came up for me and I became the director. But uh, it, it, it all started with what people gave me. You know, I, I named Nick. I could name Mike Pagano also was a big factor because I was friend with his kids. I played baseball with them. I remember when those guys used to be sitting in a park with the wrong people. Like, I would get a call the next day and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, we want to see you on a, bat- on a baseball court tomorrow. Make sure you, you, make sure you, 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 
you come tomorrow. So they, they, they kept an eye on me. So that gave me the love for Parkex just to do the same in the future. So that's, that's, I think that's where we started. They're responsible for it. It's funny that you mentioned Park X. I had Perry Calci not too long ago on the podcast and Joanne, who is now the director, yeah. and we spoke a little bit about the mission of Park of, um, of PYO and, um, you know, how it all started, uh, you know, essentially was just to keep kids off streets, right? And Park X has been a tough neighborhood. I mean, it's it's had that reputation for a long time, maybe not now, like in the last 10, 15 years, but... You know, certainly when we were growing up in Park X, I mean, it wasn't the ideal neighborhood to be walking around after 8 p.m., right? Um, And it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because they've played an enormous role in maybe, you know, maybe redirecting kids' lives. You know, I mean, we don't know where you may have turned out. You know, we don't know where any of those kids that got involved in PYO would have turned out. And, uh, you know, the, the, the huge, huge mission and the fact that they took you under your wing and you developed into what you've, um, what you've accomplished now. I mean, you know, there's definitely something there. Um, you know, you, you, were you born in Park X? Were you raised in Park X? No, I was raised in Barkirk. Uh Like, my parents moved in uh, in Canada in 1984 directly okay. to Park X. My dad was already there, so only me and my mom and uh, my siblings, whatever. So we all moved in 1984. Um, yeah, now I'm 43, so we're looking at, what, 30, 30 some years, 30, 36 years in Park X. My parents still live there. I basically spent also most of my days in Park X. So, yeah, uh, the the early nineties, the early nineties in Park X. That's when uh, demographically things started shifting, right? You had a right. a huge portion of the Greeks kind of shifting away, and then you know you had uh, um, uh, more South Asians coming in. So it was that right. wave of uh, new immigrants coming into Park X. But uh, and I think at that time that's when they brought in the police station for the first time in Park X. Yeah, right. I, I exactly. When I think back, I can't even believe we never had one before um, in Park Extension. But uh, definitely not the rough times that were, you know, that that existed like in the '80s, you know, or maybe really early '90s. And of course, before the '80s, I wasn't born, so I don't know. But I've heard stories about how rough <laughs> the neighborhood was. Um, and, you know, it's important to have organizations like yours to, to, to take in these kids because, like I said, you know, nobody really knows how they're going to evolve and if they're going to evolve, you know, the wrong way. Uh, but the fact that they have this recourse where they can just show up, uh, integrate with other kids uh, and just have fun. Um, I think I, th- I think it's super important, especially for neighborhoods like that. I mean, is that what your mission was with the Loisirs Park? Definitely, definitely. You know, like I, I see Park X worst days. I see Park X with gangs. I see Park X with just like you said earlier, where we had basically had curfews. Like I couldn't be home after eight o'clock at Park X. My parents being scared, uh, and you know, one thing without organization like PYO or those organizations who were actually keeping me up the street, like uh, organizing all this type of activities. You know what? I don't know where I would have been right now. And I know it worked for me. I know it worked for a lot of, a lot of little, uh, a lot of young kids that I grew up with. So it's not basically me. So um, I think the, the, the credit, we also need to give credit to a lot of people. Like, cause you know, yes, you got a non-profit organization, but we also have a lot of leaders in Park that fought. For, for, for this task, you know, like, uh, you know, sometimes 
you got a new organization that comes in, Pancakes, people who weren't even there that don't know the history. Mm. You know, uh, you're talking about Mrs. De Ross that put in extra, you know, work a lot to get that building for us. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, I know PYO was a big factor, Nick and Mike. Like, and I know they went to they went to bat with the city to get this building right now, Hastings. So, um, organization, non-profitization are very important, especially in in, in the situation that Parkex is right now, where it's basically a. a, a, a a neighborhood where new arrivals, now immigrants comes in um, integrate to integrate themselves. So we need to be ready. You know, obviously, uh, it can only be sports. You know, those people come here, don't speak English, don't speak French. So we, our organization had to grow and born also to support them, like French organization, uh, food banking, and all this type of stuff. So uh, we just bless. You know, I could, I could, it's not always perfect, but you know what? I'm just happy uh, to be part of it. You know, and, and like I said, a lot of people deserve the credit. Uh, people don't, use, don't usually want to give credit to politicians, but, you know, I know for a fact that we wouldn't be here because of a lot of politicians too, you know. So uh, let's give credit and the flowers to the people while they, they could still get it. So uh, yeah, no, to a lot of people. Yeah. It, it was definitely, definitely been a, one of the best acquisitions, I think, by the city um, to incorporate everything in that building. And, you know, there's been changes also because... Um, because of the, the the school commission, the school board took over part of that building. A lot of organizations had to kind of find another place. They had to leave, and there was a little bit of a crisis. I remember that, and this didn't happen too long ago, like maybe you know seven, eight years ago, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, and you saw the impact it had immediately, right? Oh yeah. And and we 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 lived similar something similar to that in Villeray with the the, um, the Centre de Loisirs La Jeunesse. Right. Where the school took it over, and it's normal. Right. I mean, you need you need more classrooms. Nobody can nobody can be against that kind of project. But now, I mean, you know, you have you know dozens of organizations that have no place to to be and to offer that right. service. So, and you see the impact it has immediately on the population, and you see that there's an enormous percentage of the people in mm-hmm. extension that depend on these organizations, whether it's for themselves yeah. or whether it's for their kids, because they, you know, maybe they, you know, they don't want their kids just running around anywhere in the street, kind of like you or me back in the day. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's why it's super important. Um, so the importance of, you know, the William Hingston complex, tell me from, from your perspective, when you came into Loisir du Parc, you know, how was it when you took over and how has it evolved like today? Uh, it's, it's crazy you asking this because you know what? Uh, Hingston before, like in 2001, when we got the building, uh, first of all, the library was empty. Like they couldn't get anyone to come to the library because um, it was still new. People didn't really know, understand what was it about. And uh, we didn't have all these services we have now. You know, you're talking about a bunch of organizations that grew, you know, like a tooth expansion. Um, you, right now, when I first started, we probably had close to maybe 10, 15,000 visitors a month. When we're talking visitors, it's not 10,000 people, but it's people that have come because we do keep the count. You know, so, so when we're talking visitors, it could be the same person that came maybe twice or three times during right, the week right, for different right. types of activities. And now that we're talking, we're talking about uh, maybe three, four, five times this number just because of all the gatherings, the auditorium, and, you know, 
uh, all the South Asians parties going on in the auditorium sometimes with 500, 600 people like on a weekend. So uh, uh, this building has become the center, not only for, 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 for youth, but now back then it was only about the youth. It was, it was keeping those youth busy sports through sports to different types of activities. But now it's keeping, it's not only the youth, it's from zero to the elders. You know, like we're basically having activities for everyone. We have uh, organizations like Imara Seniors, Welfare Activities for Seniors. We got, uh, this is the major difference. It started out only for youth. Now we're talking about for the families. Uh, that's the biggest growth that I've seen. Tell me a little bit about Loisir du Parc and uh, the, the teams that, that came out of that. Like I know that you were highly involved in basketball um, and you had some real superstars coming out of that, uh, coming out of that program. Yeah, we, we've, been, we've been blessed. We had a couple of little, little talent. So the good thing is, is uh, I've been doing this for 20, 20 years. I've been coaching for 20 years. So uh, we started uh, whatever sports program and uh, George that I feel like through sports, you could give kids so many things through sports. It's just incredible. Like, uh, uh, whatever we do at Wazard's Park, it's, it's always recreational. Like, it's only for fun. But uh, we started maybe 10 years ago about, I started thinking about what kept me in school. You know, what, what uh, and uh, the first thing that came to my mind was sport. So what, what we did 10 years ago, we started doing this thing, what we call sports. We got involved in, uh, uh, you want to play? We, want, we started elite programs, like basketball, like, uh, with elite talent where, okay, the only thing you could do for you to be an elite is you got to do well in class. You got to maintain a 75% average. So we kind of connected this together. So slowly, surely, you you saw some real talent emerging. You saw some kids with with with, uh, with different kind of talent. And uh, that's when it became easier for me. I got I got some few contacts in the U.S., place kids, some university in Canada, uh, even here in Quebec. And uh, we've been blessed to have a couple of kids getting scholarship in the U.S., you know, 20, 20 plus kids at scholarship in the U.S. And lately we had a kid who's playing in the NBA now. So, uh, oh, wow. Who is uh, it? With, uh, Lugensdorf, OKC, Oklahoma Thunder. He's been oh. playing for them last year, yes. And he's a little boy so, from yeah. Park X. Exactly. Those are boys. Uh, they, the, 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 the good thing with the elite program, they're not necessarily kids that are grown in Park X, but yeah, they no, were... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But they, 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 they represent Parkhead. So. Yeah. Wow. Do any of these kids come back? Like, do you hear from them? Uh, do you get any feedback? Like how they're doing, how they're evolving in their lives? Always with them and their family. It's funny, Friday, Lugansdorf, we were at PYU, me and uh, the kid that I just mentioned, to give, uh, to donate shoes to, uh, to the foot bank. Uh, he just donated, uh, I think, 10 pair of Adidas shoes to PYU staff. Uh, for a great job during this uh, pandemic. So we're there just Friday. It's funny he came back to give some shoes to the people just last Friday. See, this is, uh, this is outstanding. This is outstanding because, you know, you don't hear, you, you don't hear about this kind of stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> no, but nobody knows. I mean, if you're not there to, 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 to announce that, look, we have an NBA player that came through Park X through our program that he excelled in his studies and he managed, you know, to, 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 to gain scholarships and move into the NBA. I mean, these are, these are enormous success stories coming out of Park X. Yeah, it's true. You know, like one thing that we, we don't do, we don't, we don't actually 
publicize a lot of the things we do. You know, I always get the blame. Uh, if I ever get fired by my board, it'll probably be for this because they always <laughs> they always mention it to me. But uh, it's 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 also getting the platform to do it. You know, like this is what what you're doing here is is, is important because uh, getting the chance to express because you've been you're so busy in your day to day stuff. You don't necessarily have time to call Parkex News or calling different type of of platform just to publicize it. But we've been working on that. You know and uh, it's been a blessing, and I think we started the same kind of process for badminton and, and taekwondo now. Taekwondo, with a good friend we know, uh, Costa, who's also a chef at Marvin. At uh, Marvin's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's our taekwondo master, and we had a kid now on, on the national team. Probably will make a na- we'll, we'll probably be on the national team in the next years to come. He's training with the national team. So those are stories people don't know, but uh, you're talking about a person who just who I just met, who I knew at Marvin, just say, hey, listen, I want to get involved with you. You know, and what do you do? Oh, you don't know I'm a Taekwondo black belt master? Oh, yeah, everybody, okay. everybody knew him as a cook at Marvin. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we got together. He's been there for 10 years, doing a great job. So those are the story people don't know. Uh, but uh, he's a man, his wife, also very involved, and they're giving back. They're giving back. We're talking about close to 30, 40 years every semester. And uh, he's into it, you know. He's <laughs> it's it's just more than Taekwondo what he's giving to kids. You oh, know? for like, sure, uh, guaranteed. Talking about a grandfather who, who actually care about kids, you know. Like uh, if 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 we don't tell Costa, sometimes we can't take more kids. He probably will take the entire park Yeah. In his program, are these programs funded or are people paying for them? Yeah, we 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 they're they're basically almost funded. Uh, we talk about forty dollars for eight. 10 weeks of program which yeah. is nothing you know? yeah it's not it's nothing uh exactly so uh, it's not much uh obviously we've been hurt past few years in terms of funding um you know because people don't really donate to sports like they used to you know like sports became the probably uh the secondary thing right now it's more people want to eat uh help you know mental health issue and stuff like that so there's a lot of it's tough for us right now i, I have to say as a sports uh, organization to to get funding you know we got to scratch left to right we got to do all sorts of flips but uh we can't complain we'll survive how so, has uh how have the last couple months uh, been for you guys with uh, you know the coronavirus and all these adjustments that had to be made deadly i mean i feel terrible for the kids because i get call from parents we get uh email from parents, you know, like, what's going on? When will, when will everything go come back to normal? And uh, I don't know if you know, but yesterday the, the, the government announced that non-profit organization can be opened back. But us as a sports organization, uh, it's going to be a little tougher because we have to make adjustments in everything we do. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to have kids not come into contact with each other, right, when they're playing sports. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we took, we, took, we took a hit, you know what, but we... We will adjust. I mean, me and my st- my team, I don't really like to say staff, but me and my team, we've been working together on putting, uh, you know, on, on adjusting to everything they're, they're asking. You know, like what's going to be tough is you got sports, we got judo, like the, those combat sports where kids basically got to touch each other a little more. So we got to adjust. We got to make sure our coaches adjust also to the new way of teaching. At least they will get this vaccine in. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, you know. But uh, I, I, I think the most important thing is get the kids back 
uh, to a normal life, you know, yeah. take it day by day. But uh, honestly, it's been really tough for us, you know, very, very tough. You know, it, you know, we said this before, uh, you know, 2020, I mean, it, it's just crazy how everything has evolved. And, you know, we're, we're only halfway into the year. And, you, you know, we're talking about this this pandemic that pretty much affected everyone, whether it's community organizations, whether it's business, whether it's anything you you can imagine uh, was affected and had to be adjusted. And then on top of that, uh, you know, we have this movement now uh, that came out of that black man in the U.S. being murdered by a police officer. And, you know, immediately I start thinking about the communities that we, well, you still served and I used to serve that, you know, were either a community, um, uh, that were part of a community or an ethnic group. And it's it's ridiculous to see that in 2020, there's there's stuff like this happening. And, and you know, for us, maybe it's harder to understand because there's this, uh, especially in Park X, I mean, there's this feeling of coexistence that we all kind of grew up into, right? I mean, and of course there's, you know, we I'm sure that you've experienced racism and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But when you see what's going on in the U.S., it's just, it amazes me every single time because we don't live that kind of reality over here. I mean, maybe to some degree, to some extent, but not, you know, not at, not at that volume, you know? It's mind-blowing, George, because you know what? If, if From my part, I got a huge family. I mean, I got, I got a lot of family in New York and the States. And I get with, with the opportunities I had the last past years being sponsored by Adidas, um, I had a chance to travel a lot in the U.S. for tournament. Right now, when you see stuff like this, uh, you want to stay home. You know, like <laughs> it's 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 scary. You know, I'm scared for for my family, my cousins, uh, uncles, wherever I have in the in the U.S. Just because I feel like sometimes people don't value human lives. You know, like when you see stuff that happened to George Floyd, you basically got had your knee on a, on a person's neck for over eight minutes, you don't value that life, you understand? And then, and uh, that's what's more scary, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and if you ask me uh, what, what I, I think what this movement is doing, we needed it, uh, did it came, and I think it came in a right time, right? Because, because people got a little fed up of, of the virus. And uh, I think now you got a second virus, which is the, the that black movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. But uh, it was necessary. And the, 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 what, the one thing that I really like is the people that are protesting are not only Blacks. Yeah. And now you see uh, also the people, uh, you know, people are protesting in Germany, in Paris, all, all over the world. And I think uh, people are starting to realize uh, you don't need to experience racism to care or to show you right. about it. You understand? Yeah. So, and I think that was the mindset before. People were basically not saying that it didn't exist. But if you didn't experience it, you didn't really care as much, you know, like so. But now you see stuff like that. You see, uh, you know, basically on our, on our men's laying down on his on, on, on his uh, stomach, being murdered by police. You know, I think it's mind blowing to anyone, to everyone. And uh, I'm just glad it's getting all this magnitude. But uh, um, but we need real changes. That's it. We need real changes. And uh and I'm actually, I wake up every day thanking God that I'm in Canada. You know, like, obviously, we, we do face our own. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect. It's far from being perfect. You know, I've, 
you know, I've been, uh, you know, I, I, it happened to me in Montreal. You know, I've been a victim of racism in Montreal, in Quebec. What but, happened? Uh, not too. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I think we we all got stopped by by cops for the wrong reason. I mean, it happens. You know? It doesn't necessarily happen to me as much as when I was younger, when I had the braids, when I looked more like uh, the, the the stereotype of uh, kids are looking for. Yeah. You know, like but back then I used to have braids, you know, like earrings and stuff like that, and my music playing loud, whatever. Uh, growing up, you know, as a forty three year old man, you know, like <laughs> I don't, I don't. You know, I don't do stuff like I used to do when I was in my twenties, but uh, yeah. I've experienced it. You know, and uh, and uh, it's 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 unfortunate. I think it's it's not to put to point fingers at at anyone, but I do think there need to be some kind of reflection on how we could do better. You know, how how everyone can sit down and say, "Hey, it, it, it's it's it, it it is happening," but what can we do? We not not. Uh, Commission, you know, you know how uh, they they like to work. Commission this, commission. You know what, that. Nelson? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, and I said this in in a previous episode. Um, last year, at the end of the year, uh, there was this independent committee in the police uh, in the Montreal Police that came out with uh, mind blowing uh, statistics. Okay, over uh, you know you have people from the Black community, the Aboriginals. Uh, the native community and uh, and I think South Asians or Arabs that are uh, much more susceptible, like four times more susceptible to being stopped by the police than than the white people. Uh, right. And this is factual. I mean, they looked at their data, but, uh, at their data, and this is what they came up with. And they still refused to say that there was systemic racism, you know. And now right. it's ironic because the mayor of Montreal came out yesterday and she said, "Yes, we do have systemic racism," uh, you know. Politics, and I know I know this firsthand because I was involved in it. You know, it's it's. I don't want to say this, but it's dirty sometimes. I mean, you know, what is the political gain or the political loss in you not coming out and uh, accepting this like last year? Why couldn't you just accept it last year? Now that it's become this trend, right? Now that it right. it, it has become like this global movement, you have everyone coming up. You have the the, the prime minister of Canada coming out. Uh, you know, mayors across the country. Suddenly, everybody cares, right? But when right. you have a factual report in your hands, what happened there? And this this yeah. is what frustrates me because this it, it's not long ago. I mean, this is last year in October that it right. happened. You know, and this is your own police force telling you this is what's going on. Nobody's calling it as it is, right. but you're also kind of closing your eyes and saying, "Well, look, if they're not calling it systemic racism, I'm not going to call. It. I'm not going to touch it." You know, right. uh, and suddenly now everyone is, um, you know, everyone is sensitive uh, on right. to the issue. You know, there's a little bit of, you know, hypocrisy in this. You know, and right. this is what's frustrating because when you look at your leaders for guidance uh and it's fine now because everybody's waking up and okay i guess it's better than nothing but when you're looking at your leaders and you're not getting what you should be getting there's questions to be asked right i mean what if right. this movement hadn't happened what if george floyd hadn't died you know right. nobody no, nobody would be looking into this that report that the police came out with or the it's not the police it's the independent committee within the police that came up it would have gone straight into the garbage we're going straight into right. the garbage, right? And right. and this is what's frustrating because we, like you said, there is change that needs to happen. And, you know, I can't be 
more frustrated than you can because obviously I haven't experienced as much racism or hatred as you have. I have been on 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 the end of you know certain people you know that can't pronounce my name. You know, uh, we've worked with community groups where their kids can't get jobs or the parents can't get jobs because of you know the name or because of the color of their skin. Like we've seen these things, right? And it's frustrating. Um, I don't know what kind of change has to happen. And I, what what worries me, Nelson, is that everyone is just mobilizing now that the issue is still hot. What happens when it starts dying out? Um, are we going to move forward or are we going to say, well, look, the trend is over. You know, let's uh, let's move on to other things, you know, and this is exactly yeah. what's been happening for decades now. Right. I mean, yeah. this isn't the this isn't the first movement of people protesting against police brutality or um, uh, systemic racism. It's not the first time. And right. unfortunately, I don't think it'll be the last, which is sad to say, but it's, it's, it's reality. Um, problem is that now it's time for action. And I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see how our leaders are going to move forward. Um, I don't know. I mean, you, you're pretty much around uh, the leaders much more than I am now. I mean, you yeah. know, politicians, you probably know all the cops uh, in Park X as well. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how we can approach it. I don't know if you have any ideas. But what saddens me is that. is Look, there's a little voice in the back of my head that tells me, you know, once this blows over, it'll be like nothing ever happened. And that's something yeah. that I think that we need to fight uh, against. Yeah. Right. You're totally right. You know, like what, what, what actually uh, uh, hit me is, first of all, for our prime minister to actually <laughs> saying that systemic racism does not exist in Quebec. That actually. Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to touch it. Yeah, exactly. But what he's not hearing is we're not saying Quebec, Quebecers are racist. What we're saying is there's some type of system sometimes that, you know, like immigrants are, are, are target for the wrong reason. That's, that's basically what it is. Uh, but you know what, Georgia, uh, you know what's, what's actually hitting me, why, why, I'm, why I'm, I might be optimist is because, I don't know if you notice, it's, you're talking about a lot of young kids now getting involved in this movement. You know, like I, it, back in the days, like 15, 20 years ago, it used to be a little bit, people were much more older. What I see now, it, even in the U.S., you talk about young, young NBA stars. You know, like a lot of them are like basically 22, 23 are getting involved in, in this movement. In Montreal, you saw the march last week, you're talking about 20,000 people. But mostly, they were young and uh, they were not only Blacks. So it's, it's a lot of people. That's what I'm, I'm, I think what I'm seeing in the past, when you had movements like that, you basically only maybe 95% were maybe Blacks. But now you watch it, I see all sorts of colors, people protesting, and you basically got leaders, uh, a lot of big-time leaders like Nike, those giant companies, whatever, uh, not only talking now, but acting, like actually putting money down and saying, this is what we're going to do. Um, will it change tomorrow? I don't think it's going to change tomorrow. You know, But what we need in Canada and Quebec is those type of action. Like you sit in the U.S. like Nike acting, you know, like we're going to put money in this. What needs to stop happening is for a mayor to say, oh, yes, it exists. But just like you said, yeah, the report, and I've been part of that report because they met us. They met uh, um, non-profit organization group 
Um, it's we need action. What's 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 uh, what's next? And uh, what I'll tell the people, especially the black community and, and the people that support the movement, next year is an election year. Let's not forget. Let's not go for any promise. <laughs> you know, if we want to vote for someone, it has to be because action were made. We still got a year, and that I think that's what needs to happen. People need to. Uh, to understand sometimes the person you, you need to vote for is not necessarily the person who you actually uh, uh, who actually speak the, the better, who actually run their mouth uh, better. And so I mean, people who are going to bring real changes, action, we need actions, you understand? Like, uh, I think most of the time people vote for emotion, you know, but uh, they're not necessarily using their, their platform or their heads to, to vote on what's actually the best for them. Uh, and I think that's what needs to happen. If Mayor Laplante is gonna say systemic racism exists, well, we need, we need action before the election. You know, we're not, I'm not gonna wait, uh, for instance, if I lead a group, I'm not gonna wait for her to promise something when I get elected, this, no. You know, you had your chance, you had four years, you had that, you had that report last year and you had a whole year to act. If you're not acting well, maybe we need to try someone else. Right. I think that's how uh, people should. Uh, yeah, should mobilization. Work, you know? Mobilization. Exactly. Because, and there's also this misconception between systemic racism and systematic racism. So people, yeah. I think there's a confusion and they, they want to avoid admitting that it happens, uh, it, like it reoccurs often. So that's systematic racism. It's always right. there. Systemic racism is different. Systemic racism is you sending a CV and me sending a CV and me getting the job over you because of, you know, the color of your skin or because of yeah. how complicated my name is versus, you know, uh, a Tremblay or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, right. And that exists. I can tell you for a fact, Nelson, that exists. I had in my control the database of every single employee that worked for the government. We had that. So we're not talking about public or parapublic. We're talking about the machine, the government. So all the ministries, all the departments in government, all the employees, not the political staffers. We're talking about the civil servants in the government. Right. We had that database. And I I was looking in that database almost every day looking for people that we needed to communicate with. I, I don't have a figure because obviously there's thousands upon thousands of names in that database. But I can tell you that it was very rare that I fell on a name that was uh, that belonged to like a, a, you know, a diversity, you know, and you know it. I mean, you read the names, you know, yeah. okay, this person is in uh, white Catholic Quebecer, you know, Francophone. Right. Like, you know, you know, I mean, we're not dumb. We see the names, you know, like if you read George right. Santrizos, you know that exactly. either you or your parents immigrated here. You're, you know, I mean, it's, right. not, it's not rocket science. And that's where the problem lies. That's where the problem right. lies. Because if you don't open these opportunities to our cultural communities, to the, to the diversity groups, to our ethnic communities, then how can you show the example that you actually care? You know? Right. And one thing that, one action that was suggested, I can't remember who it was, um, and they brought the example of Jean Abel. Jean Abel was a very young uh, MNA. He was elected up in Laval. He lost the last elections. But I think he was one of the youngest ones in the Liberal Caucus. And he tabled a bill to force big corporations and crown corporations to automatically uh, open up, uh, I can't remember what percentage was, uh, in uh, the seats in the board of directors to youth. So they had to absolutely bring in uh, someone on the board of directors that I think was 
under the age of I don't know, 40 or 38, or I can't remember what, mm-hmm. you know, what the age was. And he did that because that was his uh, motivation. He was there because he wanted to promote youth, right? And his bill passed. And now large corporations and crown corporations acting in Quebec must have young people sitting uh, on the board of directors. Why can't we do something like that with people, you know, from ethnic groups or from, you know, that come from diversity? This is going to be one major move. You know, why not? Why not impose that your board of directors has to have uh, someone that has either immigrated here, and we're not talking about, you know, just find anybody. There's a lot of competent people in the black community. There's a lot of competent people in all ethnic uh, communities yeah. in Quebec. Well, why not make that kind of change, right? And you show the example. I mean, and y- you have been working over 20 years in putting kids in the right path, but at some point when they reach an age where they're independent, you don't have the control, you, you don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you're right. there until they're like 16, 17 years old, somewhere there. Yeah. After that, you're on your own kind of thing. And you just hope that you did the best job that you could do possibly to keep them straight, right? right. But at some point, if these kids don't have the mentors, whether it's in right. politics, whether it's in business, whether it's in the education field, whether it's in anything to kind of look, right. to kind of look up to, I think that's where we may lose them, right? And right. I, I, I don't know. I think that's something that, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not the one that thought about this. I, and this, this is something that people have been discussing for years, but nothing has been happening. Right. Hey, you, you, you're right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny, but this is the, you, when, 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 when a kid comes from my program or when, when a kid comes from Manzation, we actually pushing like, I don't know if you know, but Park X, like me as a director, I, I hire, you know, like, 90% of my employees are Park X people, you know, and I don't really pay attention to uh, experience and stuff like that just because in my mind, if I represent Park X community, if I don't give them experience, who the, who's going to hire them? Exactly. You know, like uh, at 16 year old who goes to Lucien Paget, who never worked a day in his life, and he's applying for a security job. Listen, he doesn't necessarily to to be 6'5", 225 pounds, to be a security, I, I, you know, yeah. at the center. But I'll give him a year or two of, of experience for him to get something better. And then, and in the past, we've had this. We had a bunch of, of people who work at maintenance for us now who, was working, who are working for l'Office d'Habitation de Montréal. Now they have very good jobs, whatever. They've been there for, for the last 10 years, you know. And uh, that's what we do. But like you said, um, the the... the I have, I've also had people working for me in the administration team, but that's tougher for them to reach higher position. Like I'll get, you get immigrants to, to work in maintenance, you know, like, well, you won't get one of them to become, let's say, uh, a CAD at the city, whatever, because yeah. it, it's going to stop there. And I think that's where the problem is. Um, it's basically, it basically make it look like immigrants are competent for some kind of job like maintenance or, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning ladies, whatever. That's what it is. But when it gets to a point where I'm making decisions, basically saying uh, they're not good enough to do so. But uh, you take me, for instance, uh, I became the director of Wazit Zipai because the person who was there before me messed up financially completely. But I didn't, I didn't have a background in, in, in finance, but I had common sense. So when I came in, I knew exactly what was wrong 
and with a good team behind me, with a great work on the board director, we put that ambition back on his feet. Uh, what I'm saying, sometimes people just need an opportunity. You know, I'm not saying take that person because of his color of skin, because whatever it is, but there's people out there ready to work or ready to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, like when, when I first, when they first hired me, they knew I didn't have no background in finance. That was one of the things that they told me, you're going to have to get work that on. done. Yeah. Exactly. So people just need an opportunity. I'm not saying people don't do the job. You don't, you don't, you don't rotate, but uh, it's time for opportunities. We need kids and uh, more and more, you see more lawyers, uh, immigrant lawyers. You see more, more this, more that. But you know what? They're always platform. You never see them at the next level. Yeah. You know, like at the t- and it doesn't make any sense, George. Yeah. And, and I think that's what they need to uh, realize. But you know how? How can you make the people who are lower understand it when the leaders does not even understand it? The leaders are the one that makes the laws, just like you right. said. The leaders, if the leader out there say, hey, this is what you're going to do. They basically have no choice to do so. You know, and I'm always telling people uh, around me and even uh, youngsters, uh, hey, uh, and it's true, you got to work twice or maybe three times harder than, uh, than, than, than your friend next to you, you know, than the French Canadian next to you, because that's the way you're going to show that you, you know, you can do the job. You know, if he comes in at, 5.30 and the job's at 6, you got to be that 5, you know, like to show your butt. If you're that 5.30 like him, George, I don't think he gets it. So yeah. I kind of train my guys to be like that, though, you know, and and, 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 and it's funny. I, I use it in sports also. If practice at 5.30, you better be that 5.20. So I kind of train him to, to, to try to be successful in that system, you know, in, in that system sometimes that forgets about them. At times, you know, and then, and I get it. And you know, one of the things we didn't mention, we didn't touch, and 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 we have to touch. The media also do a do a terrible job just showing how bad black kids, you know, like you open the TV, especially uh, you will hear they will spend two, three, four days talking to a black kid, uh, you know, who who committed a crime, uh, but they would spend ten seconds on a kid who made the NBA from a tough neighborhood, uh, they'll spend 10 seconds on that. They will not spend four days. So if, if you've never been involved with the black community, you've never been involved with immigrants, and all you see in the news is uh, their pimps, their gangsters, their bums, whatever, um, it, it doesn't help. You understand? I mean, at this, if they're going to spend four, two, three, four pages in Journal de Montréal or two, three, four days talking about some kid who committed a crime, a black kid who committed a crime. But you know what? Spend four days praising Chris Boucher, who won an NBA championship with the Raptors, a kid who was raised in Montreal North, didn't have much, uh, didn't even graduate from CJEP at 19 years old. This is the story you need to repeat on TV for people to say, hey, there's kids out there that do great things also. It's not always bad. You gotta gotta balance it and, and, and and a lot of it is that because I know it. I've witnessed about there's people that I've seen traveling around Quebec that I sit down and talk to them. They look at me, hey, basically, like, this is not what we see on TV. Blacks are not supposed to be so civilized. It's, it's, it's what they see on TV that, that's also messing up with, with their brain. And we're not getting. And I'm going to tell you a story and something that I know for sure. For instance, 
Laurent, Laurent uh, Duvernay, il va who just won that, yeah. that Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. You know, like, uh, hey, a week after, he's invited to the National Assembly to sign the leave door. Why heck Chris Boucher was not invited? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, two, three days after. What's the difference? Talking about a, a first thing, a Quebec, a Quebec kid, you know, but who, who, who was raised in Montreal. Now, obviously, he's not a doctor like Laura. You know, don't get me wrong. But what's the difference? They both won a championship. Why yeah. is this one so important for him to come sign the, the, the book and not him? So if you want kids to dream, you want kids to do the right thing, they need to feel that you're not going to judge them for who they are. You yeah. know, like they will get the same opportunities. And if they don't see it, it's because they don't want to see it. You understand? Yeah. But Chris Boucher was never praised. Chris I've seen RDS. I said, I mean, I think they went maybe for three, four weeks praising Laura. But Boucher maybe didn't, he didn't even get a, a, a interview at TVA Sport, just to, just to be honest, though. You know, why, why is that? Though? What's the difference? You know, like uh, he doesn't deserve it uh, because he has braids. You know, he doesn't fit uh, the, the, the criteria. He's not wearing a suit. Uh, and and that, that's, that's, that's what we're fighting against. You know, I'm, not, I'm fortunate to see people like you. Knowing you, uh, uh, you working with, with, with Park X Media and, and, and working so hard back in the days as a politician, you know what? That's what we need. We need people. The, the, the black community cannot fight this alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we need we need other 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 communities to say, you know what? Hey, enough is enough. We've seen it. We we we, we saw it. It's true. And uh, if you want to play it blind and say it doesn't exist, it's because you want to make it look like. But sometimes you're part of it. Just like I said, the the cat. If I was a, if I was a, uh, working in the news, I would ask him to go that question because he's saying systemic racism does not exist. Hey, you guys invited Laurent to sign the book. What's the difference? Chris Boucher not signing it. Yeah. Chris signed it in Montreal, but what's the difference? Just ask him this question. They're not both Quebecers. What's, yeah. what's the difference? But yeah. uh, uh, you're talking something that happens once every 10, 15 years. You if know, you're lucky. And, uh, yeah, exactly. If you're lucky. And you know, Let's put it this way. I have a kid in the NBA, Lugensdorf. His name is Lugensdorf. But I would say that for sure. So far, zero sponsors, zero sponsors, nothing, zero. You know, we're working on his brand or whatever. But you get a nine, a 20-year-old playing in the NBA, playing beside a superstar like Chris Paul. And, and, and I think if his last name was different, he, you know, he probably would, 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 he probably would be better now. You know, like, and, 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 that's, and I know that for a fact, you know, and then uh, it's, it's, uh, if you not acknowledge it, you're not saying it exists, you can't change it, you know, and that's the biggest problem now I think Quebec is going to face, is our prime minister saying it doesn't exist. And then, and then, and, and, and regardless, if Mayor uh, Laplante wants to make changes with the police, well, he also has to be okay with it's got to come from on top it's got to come from because you know if if the leaders on top are negligent or if they close their eyes to the to to the reality it it trickles down exactly and like you said these are institutional changes that need to be made and you know you can't make that you can't i can't do those changes the mayor of montreal can make those changes i mean everything has to happen at the top tier and um, i i use that example of jean abel that he made that change for the youth Uh, so that they can have these opportunities in like the top of the top positions. Why not have that for our uh, ethnic communities and, uh, you know, the uh, people that are from diversity or from, you know, different races. 
and it's not complicated. It is not complicated. It's, not. it's just not happening, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, we do have leaders in parliament that, that are black. We have leaders that, you know, that are original, that are from all sorts of different uh, ethnic and cultural backgrounds. What happens? Yeah. Like, what happens when you put your feet in parliament that makes you go blind, you know? And I don't want to judge anyone because I know a lot of them personally. Uh, yeah. And I know that, you know, they probably have a lot of other things going on. But this is the moment. This is the moment where you need to step up and just take the action and make concrete change right like you said i mean yeah it is an election year and i'm optimistic by nature too nelson but i gotta be honest with you i have this sickening feeling that when the tide will will drop when the tide will come down it'll be like nothing happened and it's a shame it's a shame it's a shame because if this is what it takes to make the changes, then just do it. You know what I mean? Push forward and make these things happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see how that how that evolves. But right. there's very little I see from our from our leadership. I mean, like you said before, there's a lot of words. Yes, we recognize it, and you know, probably the Prime Minister of Canada is going to shed a tear and say sorry, like he, like right. we've seen him do. But what are we doing concretely? You know, this is. This is the time to act. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you you have kids. What do you tell your kids? How do you how do you prepare your kids after everything that, ha- that has happened to face society? Like, what do you what do you do to empower your children? You know, what? it's funny you saying this. It's a subject that that I, I rarely touch with my kids, uh, and the reason why, what I'll actually tell my kids is how much better they have to be to be successful. You know, I, I challenge them to never find any excuses. Mm-hmm. I challenge them never to let anybody judge them or put them down. But because uh, I think that's what it took me, George, to be successful. You know, like I've been, uh, I've been uh, accused for, for the wrong reason. I've been, um, I've seen it. I've witnessed this even in the system, the way it is. You know, as a director of non-profitization, uh, you know, like some of the stuff that happened in the past made me realize maybe it would have been easier if it was someone. So what kept me going was like, uh, I never accepted no one to bring me down. You know, and that's what I bring. I try to, 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 to tell my kids. Because, uh, you know, if you, if you too, the biggest problem with the word racism is a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Sometimes when they hear the word, you see a lot of, a politician, whoever puts their head down, they will not put their heads up. So I challenge my kids, keep their head up. Whenever people are talking about it, you know what? Keep your head up and keep your keep keep your story, keep your side, keep the side of your of your story. If you feel that uh, uh, you've been uh, mistreated for some reason, say it, you know. But face it also. Don't don't try to run away from it. Don't try to avoid it. You know, and and, and that's what it is. Um, I think. It, once people realize that uh, this thing really exists and it does affect young kids, it does affect uh, uh, older kids also, it, it affects elders, it affects, you know what, then we could make real changes. But till our politicians decide that it does not exist and don't want to do nothing about it, you know, it's not going to happen. Like I saw uh, the other day in the news, like some cop from the SQ, uh, SQ uh, writing an article saying, hey, uh, you faut pas uh, shout here because uh, 
the police are not racist. People are not saying cops are racist. We're just saying, and, and that's the biggest thing, though. When you see the report, the report does not say cops are racist. They're saying the, uh, immigrants or blacks are stopped more often than some others. So if you're not seeing the difference where you need to think, listen, what's going on? Why, why if we see two black kids in a, in a Mercedes-Benz, and we will stop them. But if you see two white kids in American men, we would not stop. Yeah. That's when, that's what you need to ask yourself why. We're not saying that cop is racist. We're saying, why is he stopping this group and not that group? And this is where the debate has to be, is why are you doing it? But if, he, if they're not admitting that they're doing it, we're not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the biggest problem. People need to also accept that maybe it happens. You know, and then uh, if they're not, and then you see you got the, 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 the guy in the union and cops saying, oh, the police are not racist. Hey, you ever been black one day in your life? That's, that's, that'll be my question to him. You know, are you ever, are you ever been black in Montreal and going downtown in Montreal to a club, whatever, be three kids in, in the car? You know what? How about he try that uh, for a week, you know, and then let him come back and say it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, we, we've had this issue for a long time, right? And they, they used to refer to it as racial profiling, right? Right. Uh, you know, you see a couple of black kids uh, around the corner, uh, let's say in Park X, for example. There's no doubt in my mind, 100% of the cops are stopping. 100%. 100%. Right. You know how many times yeah. I've been around hanging out, like in Park Because like, that's what we did. I mean, we had nothing else to do. You know, you're in the corner uh, with a bunch of kids. You know, just hanging out. We we never we were never stopped. We were never stopped. I think once the cop came, we were at that bar on uh, on Saint Rock there, uh, next door, and yeah, next door cafe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the cafe, and we had our guitars. We were jamming, and you know, we were outside on the terrace. And the cop the cop pulls up. He didn't even come out of his car. He opened the windows like, "Hey guys, keep it down. You know, keep it down." We're like, "Okay, yeah," and he drove off. What if I was black? Like, what if, what if we were like three, four black people jamming? Dude, right. those guitars would have been destroyed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. The, you know, you can't come out and tell me there's no racial profiling. I mean, I've yeah. seen it with my own eyes. You've seen it with your own eyes. There's a fucking report yeah. that says it exists. And yet you have your leaders just closing their eyes. So I, I don't know what it takes. I don't know. Yeah. Is, there, is there a movement... Uh, obviously, the, we, we, we've seen the movement now from the population. Like you said, there's a lot of youth uh, involved right. in this. What about the organized community? Like yourself, for example, you're part of an organization. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of, um, <clears throat> uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name. Chez, Ari. Who? Ari, Chez. Yeah, him. There's, um, the, you know, the boxer guy in St. Michel. Uh, Ali, yeah. Ali, Ali yeah. So, what ha is there? Is there a movement to get, you know, the black leaders kind of involved, like to 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 create this kind of lobby, if you will? I think there's place for it, you know, and and and, and you know what, George, and, and to my fault, you know, like um, I wasn't really really involved in in. in um, how should I put that in, in, in the movement in a sense where, you know, like I, I follow it and obviously I support it, but uh, I haven't thought away with me and my uh, other friends like Ali and those guys 
uh, a way where uh, we could make the difference, you know, like where we could basically demand changes. But what I could tell you, I've talked with several leaders in Park X, like black leaders in Park X, African Finland, and a few of them in Belgium. And uh, we're thinking about having some kind of media group together, whatever, just to think about some some of the stuff that we could actually bring to our bar. So, I mean, for changes. And uh, if we could reach out to San Michel people. Yeah, look, I mean, one one thing we have to we have to admit is that at least in our district, you know, maybe Park X, and like you said, even at a larger extent, the borough, you know, Villaray, right. Saint Michel included, there's there's a lot of prominent black leaders. I, I, sure. There could always be more, but there's some sure. there's some black figures in our community that have important positions and that have positions of influence. And that have also the contacts. I'm also thinking of Paul Evra, who has the Centre yeah. Lassalien. Um, so, I don't know. Perhaps it's another idea. You know, get get a working group together and put all your contacts, uh, you know, in a pool and say, okay, let's start reaching all these people, right? Meet yeah. your members of the National Assembly. The members, well, there's one member of Parliament and he happens to be the Prime Minister of Canada. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can't get luckier than that, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the municipal partners, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'd be willing to, to, to give you guys a hand with that if you guys need any help with, you know, reaching out to government and to, 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 to gain contacts. Not like I have more than you guys do. I mean, you've been involved uh, probably longer than I have. Um, but, I, I, you know, I see the movement. I just don't see uh, the organized community doing something and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it exists and I'm not seeing it. Right. I, I'm not saying it's not there. I, I just haven't seen it. I mean, where's the lobby, you know, where this is it now. I mean, okay, we have the movement. Let's get on this momentum train and right. let's get a few prominent figures to say, okay, let's start knocking on doors now, you know? Yeah. Well, you're right. You're definitely right. You know, and that's something that, you know, what I, I, I would, I would actually, um, I share with, uh, like I said, uh, those leaders in Park X that wanted to start something for Park X. Maybe we should reach out and try to make it bigger and get the San Michel people from the borough. Yeah. Uh, get Franz Benjamin. I know Franz Benjamin for, for sure. Uh, oh, he'd be yeah. on board right away. Uh, and he sits yeah. in parliament too, right? So exactly. I mean, he's, a key, he's, a, he's obviously a key player in this. Exactly. You know, but uh, there's something that, uh, obviously to do to, to be done there, you know, for sure. You know, and I think more people talk about it, like I said, but there needs to be real actions. I mean, if you don't, if you don't create changes, it has to do with action, not with words, and not with promises. And that has to be the key. Uh, I think we have about a year and something to work on it, to bring something. So where uh, they could change the laws, change stuff before elections next year, November, October, whatever. Because I think that's when you you have it, it. I think, like you said, it's it's a good window of opportunity because next year you have municipal elections. There may right. very possibly be a federal election because it's a minority government. So there right. very well may be a, a federal election in 2021, and then in 2022 there's a provincial election coming. So everything is right. back to back, and it's not that big of a time frame, right? Exactly. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I I think the time to act is now and I think it's just about time. I think we're already late to begin with. I mean, like you said, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, it's not the U.S., but yeah. we can't close our eyes thinking that it's their problem. You know, it's always their exactly. It's always their exactly. issue, you know, because we, yeah. we do have the issue here. We do. We do. And then it's, a, it's important to have the platform to, 
to talk about it, you know, and, uh, you know, really happy you brought that subject and I had a chance to be on your podcast today, but that's what it is, George. If, if, if the more we talk about it, the more we exchange about it, you see, for instance, I could see this matter really touches you, you know what, but when people are trying to avoid it and don't really talk about it, it doesn't help, you know, like the more we talk, the more uh, parents educate themselves, you know, the more I get, for instance, if 10 people who didn't really see see it like watch your podcast tomorrow 10 people we didn't really you know hear a, a, a black person explain himself how he feels about it you know i guarantee you if it touched 10 people 10 people only it, it makes a difference you know to educate themselves uh i witnessed stuff like where you know you see you, you gave the example in park x i was on my my parents live on uh ultramont and ogilvy and we're on the porch one day me and three friends it was actually uh thanksgiving a Monday Thanksgiving, uh, maybe six, seven years ago. So on the porch having a beer and uh, like the same police cop passed by and stand in front of the porch like three times in a row. He did it. Then there's uh, uh, and at some point he came a fourth time, but he parked his car maybe a hundred meters you know, away from the house and he stand there. So I, you know, so I decided, uh, I, I went out and I went to see him and I said, listen, uh, can we help you? Is there a problem? And he looked at me and listen, I'm just doing my job. I said, what exactly is your job doing? You just passed by three times and you stop in front of the house. So long story short, he left. But a couple of days after that, uh, I remember sitting on a, on a committee with Annie Sassol back in the day and Mary the Russ and, uh, the, 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 the police, uh, uh, Commandant, whatever was there, and then and uh, he was talking about how Parkex crime was low, whatever. And uh, somebody brought up uh, racism in Parkex, and he basically said there was none. And I was there at the meeting. He said, then uh, came out because of co- a few kids did complain about leaving because we have this program called Midnight Sports where we finish sports on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 1 a.m. So a couple of kids, group, black kids, whatever, will be five, six kids walking, going home, used to get stuck. So some kid brought it up at, uh, at, at the, to the, to the barrel. And uh, the, the commander actually said, you know, it doesn't exist. So I was just, listen, it's funny you saying this because Monday it happened to me, this is what happened. And, and I remember him uh, calling me after that and said, Nelson, you know what? Maybe I need to educate myself a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that was very... Um, you know, I was much more younger, but I, th- I think that was very uh, responsible of him. So he didn't try to deny it. He said, you know what? Maybe there's a problem. I need to do exactly. my diligence and, 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 and educate myself more on what's going on. You know, because obviously if I ask my, my guys, hey, did you profile this person? They're going to say no. You know, like obviously. obviously, you know obviously. I mean? You're not going <laughs> to tell your boss you cheated. But uh, if you educate yourself a little more about situation like that, uh, then, then we could make real changes. It's all about. It's not gonna change one day, but if if we see people educate, like for for Lurgo to say it does not exist, but what kills me is got two black uh, uh, ministers sitting next to him, and they're not even able to say yes, it exists. That's a we good point. It. That's a good point. He has two black people it's, sitting, and they have a a, a a portfolio. They're they're cabinet ministers. Yeah, exactly. And. They, and you can't say, not saying to fight against your, your, your leader, but you know what? You take your leader on the side, someone to close doors and listen, man, you're going to stop denying it. This is the way it is. But if you're not 
to me, this is why I would not vote for a person just because he's black. You understand? Like, I would vote for you if you, I know you're going to fight for the right cause. Yeah. So the same person are going to come back and ask us to vote for him. But at the end of the day, my, my thing, what I tell people if I lead a group is now, listen, you need to ask them uh, if they never experienced systemic racism in their life, which they probably do. I guarantee you 100% they experience. But, you know, if your leader is saying it doesn't exist, it's up to you also to educate them. So listen, you know, why don't we take a walk in my car? Let's go to Montreal North. That's right. I'm going to wear a damn hat with some earrings, blasting the music in a Mercedes Benz. That's how many times you get stuck. Take, take a little go, put him on the side. Let him put a hoodie on where they can't recognize him. Yeah. Maybe you educate him like that. Yeah, or sit him in the back seat where you can't really see him. Exactly. You don't know he's there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And put two black guys yeah. in the front that are driving. Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll see. Let's we'll see. All right. Dude, uh, I appreciate your time. I know that we, uh, I know that you're busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, thanks, man. Uh, first of all, it was good to see you. Uh, and it was good to have this conversation. It was good to have this discussion to bring these things out in the open. Um, and look, man, you know that whatever you need, um, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Um, I'm there for you. And, uh, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully when this whole crazy pandemic thing is over you can go grab a beer or something in front of your parents porch you know what thanks for having me man I, first of all i was actually happy when you called uh you know like i didn't thought i, I thought you just call like just like that though but for that podcast uh let's do it again thank absolutely you man yeah it could have been it could have been I know you got a lot of contacts also in the bar. It could have been on someone else, uh, but you thought about it. It, it could be that. anyone you want, again. man. We will definitely Let's do it again. Let's All right, do buddy. It again. All I'll right, see you guys. soon. Ciao, buddy. Take care. All, All right, right bro.